0: Well, good morning everyone. Uh, My name is John. I'm the lead pastor and I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning, however it is that you are joining us. Uh, So this morning, I want to talk about the idea of peer pressure. Uh, And Normally, uh, when I think of peer pressure, uh, I'll think of negative peer pressure and like you know, a, like a cheesy after-school special just telling you to just say no. Uh, and for sure, uh, that's a real thing and that's something that being in a one-on-one relationship, which is what we're talking about, can be a big help. Uh, but today, I wanna talk about the other side, about positive peer pressure. Because for all of us, we need, I think, people in our lives that will that will push us, that will encourage us, that will motivate us to do things that maybe if it wasn't for them giving us that extra little prod, that extra little push, maybe we wouldn't have done it. Uh, maybe for you, it, it's a job. It's you know, it's something that you you know you heard about it, you know, and you kind of thought about applying. You're like, ah, I don't know if they would ever really hire someone like me, but then there was someone who came along and said, like, Oh yeah, of course. Of course you need to apply for that. Of course you need to do that. Uh, or maybe it was a team and someone said like, hey, you know, you should really try out for that. I think you would be, you know, great for that. Uh, or maybe it was a date. Uh, you were thinking about asking someone out, but you're, you know, you kind of like were chickening out and you were thinking, you know, maybe that wasn't something I was going to do, but then someone else gave you that extra little push, that extra little motivation, and then you asked anyways. Uh, I have a, a friend and he'll often say that the four most important letters in the whole alphabet are the letters i see in you Uh, and all of us need people every once in a while who say you know what i I see something in you i I see something in you that maybe you don't even see Uh, i see a capability i see a gift i I see an opportunity and i just i want to do whatever i can to lovingly Push you to achieve, to do more than you might do on your own. Uh, I grew up in a, a small town in Indiana till I was in sixth grade, and uh, all summer long we would hang out at uh, the town pool, and we were there just all summer long. Uh, and in our pool, we had a, a couple different kind of Areas of the pool uh, and so there was one area that was actually separated. That was the kiddie pool And so it was you know, very shallow had lots of babies in it and lots of urine uh, And then there was a, kind of the main pool and in the main pool They had a, a shallow area and the shallow area was where as kids we would spend a lot of time because I mean you, you could you could stand in the shallow area you could play You know, it was you know, very very little risk to stand in the shallow area of the pool And then there was a deep end of the pool and the deep end was a little riskier because I, I mean as kids like we couldn't touch the bottom of that, you know And you might be able, like bounce off the bottom a little bit or you might be able, like hang on to the edge uh, But that was gonna kind of reveal a little bit of like how well you could actually swim or not But then there was the diving well the diving well in our pool was 14 feet deep and as kids and we would all just you know stand in the shallow area and we would look at the big cool teenagers and they would be you know running and jumping and cannonballing and diving off the diving boards and we thought it looked awesome but we also thought i mean that looks really really scary because i mean if you're going to jump in off the diving board then I mean, it could be Embarrassing. I mean, what what if you drowned? Uh, What what if you do a belly smack? Uh, Well, what if somehow you embarrass yourself in front of the girls that we were too afraid to talk to? And so we would just sit there and stare and think, maybe someday, until one day, Justin Stark, one of my friends, uh, looked at me and said, I dare you to get out of the shallow end Walk over to the edge of the other side of the pool. Get in line for the diving board. Climb up that ladder to the top of the diving board. We actually had a low dive and a high dive, so climb up to that ladder. Go and jump. Do it. I dare you. And here's what we want to talk about today. Uh, We're in a series right now saying that we believe that every single person needs to be in what we're calling a one-on-one relationship. You need someone in your life who you're meeting with regularly, someone who really knows who you are, someone who is helping you grow, and someone who every once in a while will push you, will motivate you to do something that maybe you wouldn't do on your own. And here's why I think that's such a big deal. Uh, Because a lot of us are pretty content in the shallow end of life. Uh, We're okay with just kind of shallow, you know, faith, spirituality. Uh, Many of us are okay with shallow relationships. We just become okay in what is comfortable. Uh, One of my uh, favorite quotes is from a a book by a guy named uh, Donald Miller. And uh, he says this just like in the prologue of the book. Uh, And here's what he says. He says, if you watched the movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo and worked for years to get it, You wouldn't cry at the end when he drove off the lot, testing the windshield wipers. You wouldn't tell your friends you saw a beautiful movie or go home and put on a record to think about the story you'd seen. The truth is, you wouldn't remember that movie a week later, except you'd feel robbed and want your money back. Nobody cries at the end of a movie about a guy who wants a Volvo. But we spend years actually living these stories and expect our lives to feel meaningful. And the truth is, If what we choose to do with our lives won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. And I think that's the crux that a lot of us live in. Is that on one hand, we we do want a meaningful, significant life. Like we want our lives to mean something, but at the same time, we're afraid. Because to like do something that is like outside of our comfort zone, to do something that's really epic and meaningful is really, really scary. And so we can easily settle to live lives where we're just going to work, where we're watching TV shows, where we're saving up money to buy a Volvo, and that's as exciting as we get. And maybe we need someone who is gonna come alongside and say, hey, life here in the shallow end it's time to move to a, to a deeper, more interesting, maybe riskier, scary place. But in the end, you're going to find a more meaningful life there. Uh, I want to look at a, a story today from the Bible. It's uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, Bible stories. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's in a, a book called Esther. Uh, And in the book of Esther, uh, there's four main characters that you're going to need to know. Uh, The whole story uh, is pretty long. It covers about seven chapters. Uh, It would take you about 20 minutes or so to read, I would guess. Uh, And I highly encourage you to read all seven of those chapters in the book of Esther. You can uh, look at it in your paper Bible, or you can look it up on uh, a website, uh, a Bible, if you want to do it that way on your phone, however it is that you read the Bible. Great, great, uh, maybe right after service today, you can read through those seven chapters and get you know, more of this incredible story. Uh, but for today, it's gonna give you kind of like the cliff notes of it. So there's four characters you need to know. Uh, the first is a guy named King Xerxes. Uh, So this story takes place about 500 years before the birth of Jesus and takes place in uh, the Persian Empire. And so uh, the Persian Empire had kind of expanded and dominated most of the known world at that point. And the leader of the Persian Empire was this guy named Xerxes. Uh, And Xerxes was kind of a very arrogant, uh, narcissistic leader, if you can picture uh, something like that. And uh, he was a big time party animal. Uh, and so, where the book starts off is that King Xerxes is having a 180 day party, a 180 day festival to celebrate him. To celebrate how great he is, to celebrate how powerful he is, to celebrate all of his amazing possessions. And so for 180 days, they're just telling stories about how great Xerxes is. He's parading out all of his different wealth and possessions to show everybody how great and wonderful he is. And in the last seven days, he decides to like bump up the party to another level and have this extra level feast. And on the last day of the feast, he decides that he's going to now show off what he considers to be his greatest possession, his wife. And so he calls uh, his wife, Queen Vashti, and says, I would like you to come down to the party and i would like you to parade around in front of all my friends so that they will see that, you know, not only am I rich and powerful, but like look at the kind of woman I can like woo to, you know, be my wife. But Queen Vashti, great role model for all you young women out there, looks or sends a message to King Xerxes and says, no, 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 no. Uh, I am not your possession, thank you very much, and I am not gonna just go down there and parade down in front of your friends. The answer is no, but King Xerxes was a powerful guy. He didn't like to be told no. He was accustomed to getting whatever he wanted. And so he ended up banishing or maybe even killing Queen Vashti. That's the kind of king, that's the kind of character he was. And now uh, that Queen Vashti has been banished or exiled or maybe even killed, Now King Xerxes needs to find a new wife. And so he gets an idea that he is going to hold this empire-wide beauty contest. And so there's 127, the text tells us, 127 provinces in the Persian empire at this point. And so each of these provinces is going to nominate the most beautiful, eligible bride from amongst their province and send them to the capital. And then they're going to have this kind of beauty competition, you know, think, you know, first ever version of The Bachelor. And and King Xerxes is gonna pick between these 127 beautiful eligible women to who is gonna be his bride. And after it's all done, he picks this Jewish girl, this young Jewish girl named Esther. And we'll talk more about Esther in a second. Uh, the next character you need to know is a guy named Mordecai. Uh, and Mordecai was uh, Queen Esther's, as so, you know, now Queen Esther's, uncle and they had an incredibly special relationship and again that's what we're talking about in this series is that we all need people that are like you know not just like acquaintances you know not even just like friends we need people in our lives who have like special access to us people who like really know us and people that can speak truth to us and people that can encourage us and push us and for uh, esther one of those people was her uncle, Mordecai, and Mordecai had raised Esther and they were just really, really close. Uh, and then the last character that you need to know is a guy named Haman. Uh, and Haman is the the evil guy in the story. Uh, and we could do a whole sermon just on Haman at some point. Uh, it, sin has a way of just messing up everything in our life, and even since it starts small, it just kinda of get bigger and they create a head of steam. And Haman is the kind of quintessential example of what happens when you let greed and when you let comparison to other people just run rampant in your life. And so where we meet Haman, he's just an incredibly greedy guy, selfish guy, and he compares himself to everybody around him. And he wants to make sure that everyone knows how wonderful and how important he is. And he has a position of power And so he makes other people literally worship him, um, bow down, and everyone kind of goes along with this except for one guy, and that's Esther's uncle, Mordecai. Mordecai does not think that Haman is that big of a deal. He does not give Haman the, the, the credit or the acclaim that Haman so desperately wants, and it drives Haman crazy, so much so that Haman decides that he is going to kill Mordecai. And not only is he going to kill Mordecai, this guy who won't tell him how wonderful and great he is, but he is going to wipe out all of Mordecai's people. Uh, And Mordecai was a Jew. And so he is going to annihilate. Uh, He's gonna commit genocide on an entire race of people to retaliate against this guy who won't worship him, who won't tell him how great he is. Uh, So that's where we pick up the story in uh, Esther chapter three. Uh, It says, Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all of the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day. This was a terrible edict. This was a terrible decree, and something that Haman had come up with, but the king had signed off on, and it was going to be now the rule of the land. And it seemed like that all hope was lost. But Mordecai saw a sliver of hope because Mordecai knew that there was one person who had maybe access to the king, and that was the queen. Uh, Mordecai knew the queen of the entire empire. It was his niece, it was Esther. And so Mordecai sends a message to Queen Esther and says, here's what's going on, here's this edict, and apparently Esther didn't know anything about it. And Mordecai pleads with Esther, is there anything you can do to help your people? Is there anything you can do to help me? Is there anything you can do to stave off this like terrible thing that's going to happen? And, and Esther, I'm sure, is shocked uh, I'm sure she is sympathetic to the to what is going to happen. Uh, I'm sure she wants to help but she replies back I, I Sorry, but I, I, I can't there, there, there's 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 too many obstacles in the way uh, Here's what she says She says all of the king officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but only one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Uh, Esther replies, yeah, here's the deal. I would love to help, but here's, here's the situation. You can't just like go in and see the most powerful person in the world. You must be summoned. And if you dare walk in on this king without being summoned, you can be killed. And by the way, let's remember how erratic this king is. I mean, the only reason I'm queen is because he, he maybe killed his last queen this guy is not a rational guy and so if i barge in uninvited and the reason i'm there is to tell him that i think he made a bad decision that he needs to reverse one of his orders it might not go well and by the way he hasn't asked to see me in 30 days i mean this is a this is a married couple is man and wife and, and he hasn't had any desire to see his wife in 30 days Things are not going well in the marriage, and so Esther sees this opportunity to help, but she also sees that there, there's a big risk. This might not go well. And and what a good friend would do at this point is a good friend would say, "I I totally get it. You know, I I, I know. I mean, this is a really big deal going on, but like, you know, like, I I don't want you to get killed too. You know, I understand it's too much risk. Hey, it's it, it, it's no problem at all." and that's the way it is for a lot of us i mean a lot of us feel these like tugs every once in a while that like maybe we're supposed to like get out of the shallow end and like go to the deep end and jump off the diving board a lot of us feel like you're like man maybe i need to like do something with like my money that seems a little bit risky or i need to do something with my time or uh, maybe i need to do something with one of my friends and like and we want to do it but there's a part of it that just seems hard and risky, and so we make excuses. I'll tell you a few of mine. Uh, Years ago, I was working uh, at a church and we were doing a a coat and shoe drive. Uh, I was in November and uh, obviously things get really cold. It was uh, here in the Albany area. And so there's a lot of people who don't have uh, adequate shoes and coats for the winter season. So we were asking people in our church, hey, if you have extra shoes, if you have extra coats, would you be willing to donate and we'll give them to people uh, in need. And we were you know, bringing in lots of coats and lots of shoes. And I had planned that I was going to give uh, one of my uh, coats. Uh, and I could do this uh, because I had just gotten a brand new coat. And it was just, I love this coat. It was, you know, I don't know. You ever have one of those like articles of clothing that like whenever you wear it, it just like gives you a little bit more confidence, makes you feel like a little bit cooler. You know, and I had this brand new coat. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll give my old coat away. I don't even need it anymore. And you know, and I have my new coat and that'd be a great way to like be generous. But I started to get this like nudge on the inside of me that said like, hey, why are you giving like your leftovers? Well, why don't you give to those in need? Well, why don't you give them your best? Why don't you give them your, your brand new cool coat and you can keep wearing the old coat. And it's, I just have lots of just turmoil and like lots of excuses and reasons of why like maybe that wasn't such a good idea, but it's like I I felt this nudge that like that's what I was supposed to do. Uh, or more recently, uh, this summer uh, with the, the, the killing of George Floyd and then, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement that was, you know, sweeping across our country, I just felt this nudge that like, I needed to speak up, and, and I needed to, to, to say something, and, and obviously this kind of like, you know, in our culture there was like some shallow ways to do that, there some, were some easy ways to do that, and, you know, I mean, I could, you know, change my Facebook profile to, you know, be all black for a little while, you know, like, you know, like, you know, talk to a few friends and commiserate a little bit, or I could stand up in a way that would be a little bit more, a little bit more risky. And and I know that's kind of like a ridiculous thing, but I mean, we do live in a world of a lot of white privilege. And I I knew that with some of the folks that I'm friends with on social media, there would be a backlash. I mean, there would be people that if I really spoke up and said what I believed was true, then some people might befriend me, people might get in really tense conversations with me, you know, and it wasn't worth doing all that. But I felt this nudge that it was like, it was something that I needed to do uh or many times for me it's just sometimes i just have this feeling that i'm supposed to go talk to somebody and sometimes it's you know a hard conversation that i need to have with someone and i just i don't like those uh sometimes it's a a friend or a neighbor who like you know like they know i'm a pastor they know you know but like and we we talked about like some christian stuff like i've never really sat down and like talked to them about jesus or some of them i've never even like officially invited them to church and like i feel this thing that I want to do it but like it just it feels so scary and so risky and like and it could go wrong. And may, I'm sure you have your own. Where you just feel these pushes every once in a while, uh, I would say maybe it's the Holy Spirit working in your life. It just pushing you, nudging you to do something. And there's you know it could be risky. You know it could be scary. And if you have good friends in your life then a good friend might say like, ah oh, yeah, no I get that. But like it it's not a big deal. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, that would be great if you gave your new code, but you know, no big deal, you know? Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah you, you, could, you, you could speak up, make a big statement, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, there'll be other people that do it, it's fine. Or, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you could, you could talk to them and really have that conversation, you know? But like, I understand it's risky, you know? Like, you don't, don't go too far out of your comfort zone. But what we're talking about is that you don't just need good friends in your life, you need great friends in your life. And a great friend will push you to do things that are uncomfortable, that are hard, and that are maybe exactly what you need to do. And lucky for Esther, she had a good, a great friend in her wife. Uh, here's what it says. Here's what Mordecai uh, said. So when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And, And that's kind of like a whole deep subject. But Mordecai just kind of got on this idea that we have a God that works in very big providential ways. Uh, God has a a plan that he is doing in this world, and and really there's almost nothing we can do to thwart that. I mean, God cares more about our city. He cares more about our world than we ever can, and, and he can move with or without us. But what Mordecai also stumbles onto here is that while God is powerful and he can do whatever he wants, God has chosen to be so reliant on asking us to to do his work, to be a part of the process, to be a part of his mission on this world, and that there's a possibility that if we don't follow those little nudges, then things really might fall through the cracks. There might really be casualties to this. I mean, if I don't give my coat, someone out there might actually not have a coat. If I don't speak up, it might actually matter. If I don't invite that person to church, you know, if you don't give that money away, if you don't decide that you're going to serve, you know, if you don't decide to do that thing, there might be real consequences to it. And then he says this, and this has to be one of the, one of the best lines in the whole Bible. He says, and who knows, that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. I mean, have you ever thought, Esther, that like, maybe I mean, you were just a peasant girl and like you have now been given this amazing opportunity. I mean, you are the, the queen over the Persian empire. And have you ever thought that maybe it's not just so you can have a wonderful life, so you can have all this luxury, so you can now have all this power, but maybe you were put there for a very specific reason. And I believe this aim is absolutely true for every single one of you. That the reason why you are in the office you are in is not just by accident. And you're not there just to like, you know, get things done and build widgets and you know, make money. But you might be there for a much bigger reason. The reason why you live on the street that you do. The reason why you have the friends and neighbors you do. The reason why you have the money that you have. The reason why you have all the skills and talents that you have is for a very specific reason. And maybe why you have that little nudge inside you is because God is pushing you to do something that is way maybe outside of your comfort zone, but it is something that is going to make a huge difference. And maybe it's the whole reason why you were put on this earth. And here's what I want for every single one of you is you need a friend in your life that's going to push you and motivate you to take that step, to get out of the shallow area and I dare you. I see in you the opportunity where you could do something amazing with your life, and you should. Uh, and then here's uh, what happens next. It says, then Esther sent this uh, reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three, days, for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though is it against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What courage of that young girl. And what I love about that is that it drove her to, to fasting. It drove her to like this like intense prayer. And I think that's a big deal for a lot of us. Uh, sometimes I'll hear people say like, oh, "I, just, I wish I like, you know, had a better prayer life. You know, I wish I wanted to read my Bible more. I wish I prayed more." And here's what I believe: is that when you take these big, bold moves of faith. When you actually take that step that you feel like God is putting you to, you know, maybe it's being a part of a one-on-one, maybe it's being a part of a small group, maybe it's leading a small group, uh, maybe it's talking to your neighbor about Jesus. Whatever that step is, you know, some financial step, you know, of giving or generosity or starting to serve on a regular basis. That once you do that, once you're walking out of the shallow area, once you're walking towards that scary deep, you know, I'm going to jump into the, the, the deep end now. It will cause you to pray. You you will be so scared out of your mind. You, You will pray like crazy. You will ask for other people to pray. And in that moment, faith won't feel stale. Faith won't feel boring. God will feel so real in your life. And I want that for you. I want you to not live a shallow faith, a shallow relationship. I want you to be in the deep end because there are such great things that happen there and you need a friend in your life that's going to encourage you to take that step, to get past your excuses, and to go and jump into the deep end of faith, the deep end of relationship, the deep end of whatever it is that God is calling you to do. Uh, Again, this is so important for all of us, but I mean, especially for those of us that are Christians and that are following Jesus. Uh, And 2 Corinthians. And this is going to lead us into communion. One of the things we celebrate each week is just like the the love that Jesus has for us. Uh, Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Uh, and, And that's so we believe, I mean, we believe that like Jesus loves us so much that he has forgiven us of all of our sins, and that's amazing, and that's why we celebrate communion each and every week. But the question is, is how are many people gonna hear about that? How are our neighbors, how are our friends, how are our coworkers, how are the people in your family gonna hear about that amazing love of Jesus? And again, I mean, God could just do it all on his own, but he has chosen to work through faith us. It says that he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. It says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So as we take communion today, I want you to know that there is a God who loves you and has forgiven you of your sins. And he wants you to not only accept that message for yourself, but he wants you to jump in the deep end. He wants you to talk to other people about it. He wants you to invite other people to church. He wants you to be involved in a one-on-one relationship. He wants you to live a life that is meaningful, that is significant, that other people see it and they say, I want something like that too. He wants you to be an ambassador of his love. So let's remember that and let's be that as we take communion today. Let's just take the bread remember that this Jesus gave his body for us, and he calls us to live it out the same. Let's take the, the juice to remember that he spilled his blood for us, and that he wants to share that love, and he wants to use you to do it. Uh, Jesus, we love you, we thank you. God, help us if we're feeling that push in our lives to do something risky, hard, something that's out of the shallow zone and into the deep zone, into the way deep end of the pool. God, help us to have the courage to go, to move, and maybe give us people in our lives that can help to push us When we're not sure ourselves. See we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Uh, now there's just one left, one last thing to do.
1: us for church today we are so glad that you came we hope you found it helpful to join in on the chat uh, focus on God and spend time learning together we believe that church is not just a building and it's certainly not just a Sunday thing we want to become more like Jesus every day and there are a couple things that we can do to help us grow in that journey with Jesus one being our next steps email if you are already on our email list you'll be receiving that shortly If not, um, it will be posted on the Facebook page in just a little bit. This email has steps um, for questions to ask yourself and others, as well as prayers to pray throughout the week and activities. Um, It's a great tool to continue that journey of what we've already been talking about this week. Another thing that you can do our leaders would love to know how we can help you take whatever next step you're ready for. Um, you can fill out the connect card which is at the top of the screen at any time and let us know any questions, prayer requests, anything we can help you with. We would love to um, come alongside you in that. Um, also, like I said, church is not just a building. It's a community of people and we want to be here for each other. So if anything come up, comes up in your week please let us know. Do not hesitate to connect with us. We would love to hear from you, pray with you, and help in whatever way we can. So we hope to see you next week. Join us at 10.30 for our service. Um, If you want to get on a little bit earlier, at 10.10 we'll have a chat going with some fun questions to get to know each other. And we hope to see you there. Have a great week.